everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Techspansive. I am Sean Dubervac from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Reticle Research. Uh, the big news this week is the House report finally published uh, 16, 18 months in the works, looking at the state of antitrust, specifically around some of the largest tech companies in the space, Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon. Uh, we've talked a lot about those companies, obviously, on this podcast as they relate to the broader industry. We've talked about some of the antitrust implications. The House report definitely comes out swinging, looking at um, what needs to be done with respect to uh, ultimately to antitrust and to to arguably breaking up uh, some of the some of the companies. Uh, something that has uh, been often discussed. Uh, within circles. Uh, should uh, President Biden win the election here in November, this probably helps set some of his a uh, antitrust priorities, or at least his, his uh, tech priorities. And so we'll, uh, we'll see if he does um, pick that up. Uh, there was definitely a lot in the report um, and, and a look at, uh, you know, again, those, those big, big tech companies. Uh, it probably also spurs a lot of international activity as other countries have been waiting to see what the U.S. does. This is really the, the first really big vocal move from the, uh, from the U.S. and probably will ignite interest in, in other and activities in other countries. Uh, obviously, Europe has been, been pre-active in this space, but probably drives some other countries as well. Uh, you know, I think it's worth mentioning what the proposed remedies uh, were, uh, you know, that, that the report found, which essentially amounted to, uh, you know, effectively breaking up uh, the companies uh, as uh, was done for the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the golden era uh, monopolies, uh, standard oil, um, and, and, so, and so forth, uh, as well as, uh, you know, probably more recently, uh, AT&T. Uh, and um, the, the thing that, that I find interesting about, I guess, you know, talking about, quote, big tech uh, in general, is that, you know, we, we tend to group these companies together uh, but they have very different businesses, very different revenue models. They're, the source of their market strength uh, comes from different, um, uh, you know, diff different kinds of businesses. Uh, if there is a common thread running among them, uh, it is probably the uh, suggestion that they have favored uh, their own products uh, at the expense of, of others or using information that they had uh, based on, on other businesses. So a lot of the remedies, uh, proposed remedies, go uh, revolve around uh, preventing these companies from entering adjacent businesses. And Sean, you know that's been a topic that that you've uh, mentioned uh, many times on the podcast. The the ease uh, with which uh, these companies can now get to scale uh, and and use that to to enter what would seem to be a completely unrelated business, and they 
uh, nonetheless have uh, have success in entering that space. Uh, interestingly, there, there's an article on TechMeme uh, as we speak about the struggles that Amazon has had in the uh, online game space uh, and why how how that that has been proven an exception. Uh, given the, the success that the company has had moving into so many other uh, market sectors. So, um, so I think the, the, you know, the question uh, becomes, you know, what, uh, how, how, do you, how, how do you paint all these companies, you know, should you be painting all these companies with the same brush? Uh, and, uh, and, and so, so, you know, for, you, you kind of have to tailor it for each company. Uh, so, so for Facebook, for example, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about divesting Instagram uh, and, and WhatsApp. Uh, you know, again, Sean, one of your points uh, has been how strong Instagram has been with the Gen Z cohort. Uh, and, you know, that's a big reason why Facebook needed Instagram. Uh, if you, but if you split up those companies, you know, you've still got, you know, two companies, two, maybe three companies with, with very, uh, strong dominant market share, uh, Amazon. I think the remedy is to break them up into four little Amazons, you know, um, uh, Apple, I think, you know, and so Apple is an, a great example of this because their business is is so different than say Google's or Amazon's where they've got their fingers in so many pies. Uh, Apple only recently, uh, relatively recently got into the content space. And I guess you could, you could say that they are not allowed to uh, have their own uh, content services or, or spin those off. Uh, but really the remedy might be uh, a lot simpler, uh, which would be app store reform uh, because that's really, the concern with Apple, uh, the policies that that it has in its in its app store. Uh, interestingly enough, with Google, uh, you know, there isn't much focus on the app store at all. Uh, you know, even though, uh, in, in maybe in part because they do allow other app stores on the platform, and as I think we discussed last week, they're looking to make that even easier. Uh, you know, there the dominance question is in search. You know, which is uh, what drives their revenue, uh, but but. But for Apple, uh, you know, it, it's uh, the, the App Store has certainly been a uh, uh, incredible source of uh, profitability uh, for uh, for that company. So, so that's where the scrutiny is. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think uh, the one of the problems I saw with the report is that it looks at these companies because they're large tech companies, but mm. they're they're large in very different ways, and they are uh, very distinct in in how they're using their size to grow and, and ultimately leveraging their size. And that, and that you know, ends up uh, being the heart of uh, antitrust concerns is are they, are they leveraging their, their, their size and uh, their power and position in ways that produce ultimately consumer harm? I mean, the, the heart of antitrust mm. today is are companies acting in ways that hurt the welfare of consumers? And so I think the, the first thing you have to do is figure out who your constituency is because to say that consumers are harmed by you know Amazon's low margins and low prices and quick delivery is a pretty hard case to make right uh, and to mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. that um, businesses are are harmed because of Amazon as many businesses 
you know, potentially are harmed as benefit by using Amazon as a as a uh, platform. Sure, now, a huge number sell on the marketplace. Right. Sure. Now yeah. th that name may not be true in twenty years or in ten years or in two years, if uh, you know if Amazon, which has been accused of using the data to enter into those markets, using proprietary data to understand what sells and at what prices and enter those markets, then maybe that won't be true in the future. Uh, but it it would seem that. It, the heart of antitrust enforcement is not to necessarily benefit certain companies over other companies, but uh, look at the welfare of of consumers and our you know our consumers being harmed by some of these. And and your point about how Apple looks different, you know, you could arguably look at Android and Apple and look at those app stores as platforms. Uh, but you're going to look at different pieces of, of you know, Google than you are with, uh, with Apple. So I, I think when we look at this, we need to first figure out who's being harmed and how are they being harmed. I think we also need to think about modernizing uh, antitrust regulation as part that, of this. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point because that's where the challenge is, right? Yeah, it's, it's, we, and as Apple said, it's, it's a market share question, right? We don't have dominant, you know, antitrust right. laws built on market share, and they don't have dominant market share, again, depending on how you define the market. So right. And and right. and that's how traditional antitrust is looked at is it's uh, around a, a, a product or a service that is a scarce resource. So you think mm. back, you mentioned Standard Oil, you know, it's a it's a scarce resource. And so the way we drive and capture monopoly you know, rents is we cut back on the supply, which drives the price up, and then we're able to charge this higher price. And so that's how we benefit by, by being a monopolist. I would argue that we're now you know, in, a, in a world of abundance uh, and not a world of scarcity. So what do you do when Amazon's selling things at really low, low prices and low margins? And what do you do when Google gives away a lot of their services from Gmail to maps to uh, essentially search. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to suggest that consumers have been harmed by the ability to search for anything that they want whenever they want <laughs> at a very low price point, uh, you know? And so um, I, I saw in the report, uh, they, they cited a Morgan Stanley estimate of the true value of, Prime and they put it at closer to like eight hundred dollars or nine hundred dollars and and they argued that you know the report used that to argue that uh, Amazon was using Prime as a loss leader. Well, everyone who's taken advantage of that loss leader and is getting nine hundred dollars in value for only one hundred nineteen dollars a year, you know, or, or whatever one hundred thirty nine dollars a year, they're they're doing great. They're benefiting from that. So um, I think we need we also need to kind of look at what's the the net harm and again who are our constituents when it comes to antitrust in a modern tech infused world and uh, uh speaking of uh, some of some of the app store uh discussion uh microsoft you know we, we've discussed in the past this uh coalition for app store fairness that uh, has been uh spearheaded by uh, Epic Games and uh, joined by Spotify uh, and um, uh, Match.com's Match parent company. 
uh, and, uh, and a number of smaller developers. Uh, today, Microsoft uh, announcing that it has come up with a list of App Store principles uh, that seems, I, I don't believe that they have joined the Coalition for App Store Fairness. And we can talk a little bit about why in a minute, uh, perhaps, but, uh, but the principles are similar uh, or certainly have a similar theme to what we have seen as the suggestions from the Coalition for App Store Fairness, uh, which include uh, allowing multiple app stores uh, on one's platform, uh, allowing multiple payments uh, on one's platform, uh, allowing open access, assuming that the companies can um, uh, guarantee some, they, Microsoft says, objective standard of quality, content, safety, privacy. Uh, you know, as we were saying a bit before the show, I don't know how you come up with an objective level of, of quality, uh, but you know, uh, there have been, maybe, maybe not objective, uh, but in the game console world for decades, uh, companies have had to meet a certain level of quality uh, in order to uh, be, be allowed on, on the game store platform. Uh, we can uh, again talk more about that, and uh, and it all sounds great uh, and uh, uh, related. You know, Microsoft's uh, skin in this game uh, is that it is trying to bring its cloud gaming uh, services onto iOS, as is Google, uh, as uh, would Amazon be presumably uh, without having to go through the browser. Uh, but uh, the the uh, the challenge for Microsoft. Uh, is that in addition to the Windows 10 Store, which is a more open platform, uh, it also operates the Xbox Game Store uh, on the console, and that is a more closed platform that uh, violates uh, at least some of these principles. You know, you can't just say, "Hey, I've got an Xbox game. You know, I want to throw it up on this store." It has to be approved by Microsoft, uh, and uh, you know, I I don't know if you have to use their uh, level of uh, their method of payment, uh, but but I I do know that there's only one app store uh, on the Xbox, uh, and that's the Xbox Game Store. You know, same for Nintendo uh, on the Switch, same for Sony on the PlayStation. So, uh, and and Microsoft acknowledges this and says, well, the reason for that is that it's a specialized device, uh, and it's a subsidized device, and uh, this is how we um, this is how we. Uh, we monetize the the platform, but uh, you know that could be a, a, a tricky argument uh, versus versus Apple. I mean, which would uh, clearly argue that it invests billions uh, in in developing the iOS software and hardware uh, and the continued evolution of that platform and having to ensure compatibility with a much broader range of developers than uh, a game console uh, ha has to. So. Um, so, you know, an interesting proposal by Microsoft, uh, but, uh, you know, has, uh, has some of its own challenges in, in terms of uh, continuity. And, uh, and but, but, but another voice adding to, to the chorus of, uh, of challenges to Apple's App Store approach. Well, and everybody wants a free and open platform unless they also operate. Unless it's their platform, right. Unless it's their platform, unless they operate a platform. So, you know, Microsoft as a provider of apps to iOS and Android, uh, I, they they benefit from having a, a, 
you know, platforms that adhere to these principles they put out because they want to be able to sell Microsoft Office products on the, you know, the Android and the app platforms. They want to be able to sell in-app services and offerings and, and be able to capture it right there where, where users are using the devices, but not have to, to shill out 30% to the platform operators. So, uh, you know, they, from that standpoint, they'd love to see Apple adhere to some of these principles and, and they would uh, benefit from it, from all the, the things that they sell in app. So here, here's kind of my question, which is, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the Google Play model, if you look at the Android model, are we essentially, has Google essentially created what a lot of these folks are clamoring for um, in, in a way that uh, has not resulted in, uh, you know, any, any major calamities to the platform, right? So, so Google has its own platform, you know, you get, you, but perhaps one, one argument is, you know, you can have your own app store and you can create whatever rules you want for that app store. Uh, you can force people to use your own payment system if that's what you really want. Uh, but, uh, but if you allow other app stores on the system as peers, then there's not really an issue. Uh, assuming it's, it's as easy to get access to those app stores on the platform as the first party app store, and today it is not. Uh, but, uh, but with just a few changes, it, it could be a lot easier. In fact, in, in some instances it is today. Uh, for example, Samsung, right? The, the highest volume uh, Android phone supplier, certainly outside of, of China, um, has its own app store that it includes on on every Samsung phone, uh, and and yet, you know, um, and, and and yet it hasn't had uh, the kind of impact, the kind of market momentum that Google Play has, and I wouldn't expect it to. Uh, but um, you know, if, if Apple were to allow something like that, if it were to allow other app stores. Would you know? Does does this kind of address most of uh, the complaints, and and would Apple consider that as an alternative to further regulation on its own app store? Uh, maybe as further, you know, to delay other regulations on its app store. But I think that uh, obviously Apple likes to be able to deliver a high quality experience and a high quality product, and I believe that they see the app store as core to that mission. We're, we're going to vet apps very carefully, very closely to right. ensure that they follow these well-defined rules, play by these rules. You can do anything you want in the sandbox. And, and so we're going to ensure that the, the software that we're offering through the app store works really well. The same cannot be said about the Android, you know, play store that you end up with apps that, sometimes just and maybe that's the wider spread of of hardware availability but not all apps function potentially as well as they as they should or could um and then in the last week or so we've seen google announcing that they're going to more strictly enforce the the 30 percent take for in-app purchases next year so they seem to be uh, you know, coming down a little harder along the lines there than they than they might have in the past so um, you know, we'll, we'll see is, is, 
uh, you want Apple to look more like Android. And I have a feeling that Android wants to look more like Apple and is moving and trying to move in that direction a little bit. <laughs> well, I guess I would just say that I think of, of the, I won't say categorically, but it seems to me that of the major companies uh, mentioned in the report, uh, Apple has the least uh, that it would need to do structurally to uh, to avoid a, a high degree of regulation. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll see what what comes of this. Uh, obviously, nothing is going to come from any of this in in the uh, very near term, um, as we right. you know as we move to an election and then a lame duck Congress, like n nothing will happen anytime soon. But as we oh, move in, we, we, ha we, we have heard about inquiries, you know, that the DOJ is supposed to be launching the right. uh, antitrust uh, case against Google on the search front uh, imminently. Uh, but, uh, but we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll see. I mean, ultimately, uh, would be great to see some modernization of some of these approaches to better fit the realm in which which we operate in and and uh, and which we work in today and, and figure out who in fact is is being harmed. Uh, and in other big news this week, we saw that IBM has announced that they are going to create a, a new company by rolling out some of their uh, managed infrastructure services and uh, allowing IBM to focus on hybrid cloud and, and AI, which they have been uh, really focusing on a lot lately, uh, or at, le at least been more, more uh, vocal about. Uh, so they're set to, uh, to spin those off. Uh, Ross, what's your, uh, your take on IBM's move to create a, a separate company and focus on cloud? Yeah, so it... Um... It, it continues a pattern, and you know they've they've said this of divestment that's been going on for decades, uh, getting out of processors, getting out of PCs, uh, and um, you know the uh, uh, all of the the infrastructure business is a is a lower margin uh, business than uh, a lot of the uh, the AI and cloud uh, services. So this would presumably free them up to compete better against uh, Azure, uh, Google Cloud, AWS uh, than, um, uh, than they're set up for today. And as is often the case with these, uh, these splits, you know, help, um, help investors uh, better gauge the progress of, of two disparate businesses with, with different dynamics. So, uh, you know the uh, the 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 ideas for IBM to become more agile uh, and to be uh, you know as you say Sean more more aligned, uh, but uh, but it, it's certainly been interesting to see uh, you know the company slim down uh, its assets uh, over the the past few decades and try to get to a point where it's more closely aligned with where the growth is uh, in the market. Yeah, everybody wants to be a platform business, right? And so this is uh, partly IBM's approach to becoming a a platform business is is to spin out some of those pieces, uh, the managed infrastructure pieces, and then uh, and focus on to your point where the where uh, where the growth is. 
so in, inevitably more to come there. And then maybe they can also fall under the, uh, if, if they are successful and they grow that platform, then they can fall under future antitrust uh, inquiries and concerns as, as, they grow, <laughs> as they grow market share. They're getting ahead of the curve. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's probably a good place to end it for this week's episode of Techspansive. Again, I'm Sean Dubervac with Avrio Institute, and you can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubervac. And I'm Ross Rubin at Reticle Research. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin.